Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. I'm your host, Priya Rao, Executive Editor at Glossy. And today's guest is Michelle Shigamasa, the CEO of Murad. Hi, Michelle. How are you? Hello, Priya. So good to see you. You too. I'm sorry we're not doing this in person. I know. The circumstances dictate, but uh, it's a new virtual world. So here we go. Here we go. So, uh, Michelle, to level set, tell us where you are. Uh, What's your new normal like, your (laughs) day-to-day? Oh, gosh, if we can call it the new normal, right? Uh, We are, I am in uh, Los Angeles, California. So our headquarters is in the South Bay. And um, I'm at home. And I'm with my husband and my three little uh, furry babies, uh, three, (laughs) three cats. And so we're keeping quite busy, and uh, the cats are certainly helping me uh, get my work done every day. <laughs> <laughs> so are you just on, as CEO of a company, a major company of that, yeah. if that, um, are you just on Zoom 24-7 now? Yes. Yeah. You know, I'm, um, I'm happily surprised. The company has been able to pivot pretty, pretty strongly, and the transition to really moving uh, almost 300 employees vir- to virtual setup is is quite a task but it's it's gone surprisingly well and we're surprisingly productive but to answer your question yes I'm on uh, video calls uh, eight hours a day at least oh my gosh that's so exhausting I mean I'm on them quite a bit too and it's just like you know, make, I'm wearing makeup for you, Michelle. But <laughs> Me too. It's such a big deal. It's such a big deal. Yes, it's it's certainly an interesting new norm. And, and I have to say what's cracking me up a little bit, too, is, uh, you know, friends and family, they think Zoom is like this new cool thing and wanting to socially connect. And so it's the last thing in the world I want to do because I'm on Zoom all day long is connect socially on Zoom with my family and friends. Ah. I hear you. I hear you. I had a Zoom birthday party in April, my oh, own, which, which I enjoyed, but we were at the beginning of this. We're not, we wasn't nine weeks ago. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Michelle, tell us a little bit, you know, before we talk about, you know, the nitty gritty of today and what's what's happening in the market, you know, when you came to Murad in 2017, um, what did you think was underpenetrated or challenged or things that you wanted to change? Because, you know, I think in the past, uh, rightly so, it was uh, associated very much with Dr. Murad yes. and uh, it was a doctor brand. Um, it was soon after Unilever purchased it. Um, but there were things that, of, I would say, you know, needed to be changed, you wanted to be changed. Um, so we go back to that a little bit? Of course. So let me just step back and say one of the, the main reasons I you know, came on board with, with the brand is that I knew um, Murad was an amazing brand with first and foremost, highly respected product efficacy, uh, strong brand DNA that was rich with purpose. And of course, an amazing founder, Dr. Murad. And um, I think you know this, but the Unilever acquisition happened in 2015. So it ha- I came on board almost three years after the acquisition had happened. And what I will say is Unilever is, is, is pretty known for um, connecting with founder-led brands. So Dr. Murad today remains a really important part of our brand, our DNA, and he's really a source of, of great, inf- uh, great inspiration for us. Uh, 
um, he's 80 plus years old. And I will say, with the exception of COVID, he comes to the office every single day. So I'm inspired by him daily, and he's a big part of our our, uh, day-to-day. But going back to your question, I think one of, uh, you know, having a really strong chassis, if, if, if you will, with the brand, I think what I identified pretty early on in terms of opportunity is the need to ramp up consumer engagement, social, digital. Um, it was really at a very low base, um, to say, to say, to be generous. And um, <laughs> the, the second piece was to modernize the look and feel of the brand with the new creative and assets really to support this really important space. So that was one of the big intentions, which I believe we've done very well. Uh, we also had um, to really focus, I think, is what I would say. The brand had a lot going on, a very rich DNA, um, and it, it was just narrowing down our focus to the areas that would take us the farthest. So resetting our business model into channels of the future was a big task um, that we took on early on. And D2C now is a, is a significant portion of your business, as, along with specialty retailers, but we'll get yes. to that in a second. Yeah. But, um, you know, for a brand that really didn't have that before, what were some of the, you know, seemingly basic challenges, but, you know, had big reward um, after the fact? Challenges of social or challenges of getting to be more social? Both. Okay. Well, I think, I think the first challenge was capabilities. I think when you want to do something well, you've got to dedicate resources and investment into, into it. Um, and it was the sheer, um, sheer amount of content that was pretty lacking. And so if you look to the past, you know, they would have one or two creative assets, you know, for a launch. And we know that that's not appropriate. Um, in, in the world of social and digital. So it's it was really sheer number of content, uh, putting uh, the capabilities against that, investing, leaning in. And um, I guess amplifying the brand in, uh, in a more holistic way, meaning amplifying the clinical aspect of the brand as well as the wellness aspect of the brand, where we have a lot of rich content and passion from Dr. Murad. So we have a lot of content, a lot of accessibility to content. It was just putting the resources um, in order to create compelling uh, content that engaged with the consumer. How do you um, how do you go about that? Just because you know, obviously, uh, Dr. Murad is is an expert and yeah. is um, well regarded in the beauty industry has been for a long time. But, you know, in the last few years, we've seen all of these like digitally native brands, founder led brands, you know, kind of talking about clean or efficacy or having cute packaging. And, you know, you're a heritage brand comparatively. Sure. So reminding uh, customers of that you were there first, that you've been there, how um, exciting, challenging was that or is that? You know, I think I think I'll go back to the heritage of the brand um, being built on clinical efficacy, and I think that is you know one of the most important things for the consumer is is what's in it for for her or him, right? And I think the wellness aspect of the brand, you know, they kind of enter as they get deeper into the brand, if you will. And so I think really the challenge 
is and continues to be what is the right balance and what is the right time to communicate our message so we don't overwhelm the consumer and um, you know that we stand uh, clear in terms of brand clarity with you know with, with our products and so what we've settled into I believe today and I think it's the, the right balance is science is really the connector for, for us. When you think about clinical authority, clinical efficacy products that work, that's very science-based, clinically proven. When you think of wellness, um, Dr. Murad's wellness is founded on science. It's based on science. So we know and understand that when your skin is more hydrated, as example, it's healthier and it has a stronger base. And so we've proven through science some of these wellness aspects. And so that's kind of the tie that brings both sides of the brand together. What um, has your impression been in this new normal, right? You know, people are so worried, so fixated on on health right now more than ever, skin health as well as general health. So have you seen a bounce back or or maybe an uplift in customers coming to you because you are an authority? Yeah, absolutely. When I when I think about Murad um, and I think about the future, I, I'm, I'm very excited because I think our brand is even more relevant today than it was six months ago. And um, obviously, uh, you know, meeting the, the needs of a consumer from a product standpoint is important. Um, but, but also, you know, the uplifting spirit and self-care. And I think self-care is healthcare and people understand that. And so that's exactly, you know, our brand pur- purpose and our mission. And Dr. Murad's legacy is helping people live happier, healthier lives. And that is more relevant today than it ever is. So speaking about, you know, the effects of coronavirus in the U.S., I mean, there's been so many and beyond the health benefits, I mean, and the health concerns that we're seeing right now, like when did you start feeling, noticing that things were different or could be different for the rest of the year? Because, you know, I talked to you early on. I think I talked to you in March, yeah, Michelle. Right and before. We were still, yeah, I think we were both still kind of trying to figure out, like, what's the long term impact? So will you talk a little bit about that and maybe how that's changed over the last, you know, eight weeks, nine weeks? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, I think when you think about the impact to the consumer, obviously we think about digital first. Um, And, you know, when you think about the consumer, we, we were obviously very focused on digital. That was our key strategy moving, um, you know, into 2020. And the coronavirus pandemic has simply really fast forwarded our strategy. And we're now on kind of double time um, in terms of fueling digital. What I find also interesting is it's not just the young consumer, you know, clearly in social and in digital, one of the key consumers is a younger consumer, a millennial. We look today and one key opportunity that that has come about is there's now a 60 plus year old digital native that is entering into our world. And so that's creating certainly an opportunity. And when I think about digital, I always say it's, it's really making low touch, high impact. And so it's making it easier 
to experience uh, simpler to, to shop and more engaging and making that connection. And so there are elements of digital, certainly, that we're working on today that are relevant to the future. Things like um, we just launched a virtual skin check-in. And so we've shifted a lot of the people who service the stores into servicing our digital and Murad.com and connecting with our consumers. It's been wildly successful with three, 400 appointments a day, skin check-ins. So, you know, that's just one example of, of what I would say the new norm is. And then when we look forward at brick and mortar, I think, um, I, I'm not sure it'll ever be the same, to be frank. I think there'll be new protocols. Certainly we're addressing safety. What is the new norm in store? And so it's going to be a whole different um, experience, I think, if you will. So we're really working hard to try to provide experiences and connection with our consumer in a low-touch way. You know, I think it's so interesting because the beauty industry the last two years, the amount of experiences, everything was an experience. A store was an experience. Yes. BeautyCon was an experience. A pop-up was an experience, you know, whatever. And I just, I'm wondering now, you know, I think we've we moved so far on the pendulum in that way. Like everything had to be experiential. Yes. And now, how do you even translate on that on digital? I mean, what's your take on all of those, like, you know, very expensive, right, activations that everyone was doing? And now you can see, like, Michelle Obama reading a book on YouTube, you know what I mean, or Instagram. Yeah. And that I used think, to be a ticketed thing. Yeah, I think it's, you know, I, I think it's going to challenge all of us as leaders and within the beauty industry, especially to bring those experiences to life virtually. I, I think that is absolutely, you know, key. When you think about the stores even opening up, um, there, there won't be events, there won't be touching. And so, uh, you know, think about, um, you know, what, what the consumer was, was why they were going into store was really to experience and to touch and feel. And so our challenge is to really bring that experience to life virtually. And I think, you know, we've seen a lot of brands, Murad included, we're doing a lot of things virtually that, that we just never did before. Frankly, Instagram Lives is a really good opportunity to, you know, create experiences and connections with, with our consumers. You know, things like skin master classes. We're doing cooking classes with Dr. Murad, meditation. I mean, th these are experiential events that bring our community together and kind of ease their mind a little bit and make them feel a part of community and, and giving them a little self-care, you know, at, at the same time. So it's one of the big challenges we have on our list that we're working on, to be, to be clear, is how do we bring, uh, we're going to call it virtual events to play in the future. Right. When you think about um, that in-store piece and the experiential element of it and touch and feel, like, what are you thinking about, like, in-store education and and the kind of amount of, of you know, staff and, and resources you needed to do that or sampling, right? Yeah. Like, you have big partners, Sephora and Elta, you know, like, how do you do that online? So I think um, with regard to education, we had really made a strong shift in terms of education to digital education. So first and foremost, we were already on that path. 
And so we've got strong platforms now in which we can educate. And they're not what you would typically um, see in terms of a, you know, a virtual classroom. It's, it's just, you think of just reading content. But the reality is we've been able to develop educational platforms that are interactive and that play games and that we call it edutain. And we try to edutain in store, and now we're trying to edutain digitally. So that was already uh, well set. And what I find um, good over the last couple of months is our retailers have embraced this. While you know their store cast are perhaps at home, working for home, captive audience, they're uh, leveraging um, Murad's strength in digital education. With regard to, you know, testing product, I think that's another protocol that um, is, is being addressed. And so when we think about things like uh, tubes and pumps, they become pretty safe. And I think the client will, will feel comfortable testing the product. And we can certainly allow um, testing with a no touch, right? We can squirt something on your hand or so on and so forth. Um, and then we're addressing specific areas of testing, such as, you know, hygiene, cleanliness, protocols, as well as addressing things like jars. And so I think that becomes something that we've had to look at is, is understanding that jars, for the most part, won't be accessible to the client. So we're addressing those things. So, you know, I think we have to see. Uh, we're going we're gonna to continue to navigate this. I... You know, I think one of the biggest things left to, to see is, is how quickly the consumer goes back to stores and at what, what level, um, you know, and what cadence. And then obviously we'll have to address the needs of the business based on the business um, once we see it happening. Have you had any sort of early reads, at least like, you know, with Ulta opening a smattering of stores or, or what you kind of expect um, best practices to be going forward? Because I think the customer behavior thing is a huge unanswered question, right? Like, totally. if you build it, will she come, right? Right. What we've seen is, first and foremost, I, I think we've seen digital sales that, frankly, surprised us. I, I, we knew that they would accelerate, but to this degree, I don't think we understood so, Anything you can share, Michelle? Any oh, figures you can share? Oh, Priya. Yes, <laughs> I, I can share. Um, so, you know, let's let's put it this way. A, a year ago, I wanted DTC, direct-to-consumer for Murad, understanding that it had a very strong base to begin with, a very high penetration. But we thought it, it should be, and our, our strategy was to get DTC to 50% of our business in the next five years. Frankly, I think that'll happen in the next two years, max. And what we see in terms of our Murad.com and, and things like Amazon, we're seeing at minimum two times the, the normal rate of sale. So double and triple in some cases. What we're also seeing, which was a even bigger surprise for, for me is our retail partners, uh, places like Sephora and Ulta. Their retailer.com figures are in some cases making up for brick and mortar. 
And, um, you know, it's, it's not consistent, but, and it's not across the board, but, but there are, are highlights for, for sure. So we understand and see the power, um, that, that exists. When we look to stores, I think it's, you know, like I said, it's, it's yet, yet to be determined. Um, but what we've seen with Ulta as example, uh, is their, um, I think it's buy online, pick up in store, but they call it Bopis. Mm-hmm. And that's going very well. And what it's also doing is it's alleviating some of the demand online that frankly people are scurrying to keep up with. Um, you know, shipments are delayed, resources, especially given the, the, the social distance in needs in, in our warehouses and the retailer warehouses, you know, we're working on more limited staff. So think about working on limited staff in our warehouses and think about, you know, demand sales doubling and tripling. It's, it's quite a lot. And so, uh, initiatives like, uh, buy online pickup and store at Ulta as example is, um, allowing, um, I think them to fulfill the demand and alleviating a little bit um, of the the online traffic. Michelle, I know that you all um, just launched a product or launched a product at the beginning of all of this, a vitamin yeah. C product, yes. a new supercharged one. And I'm just wondering, like, is now the time, in your opinion, after that experience, like a time is now a time to push new product or invest in bestsellers? Like what's kind of the mix? Because I know in skincare, there seems to be a cadence. Like we've talked about this before, you know, yes. spring, summer is when you start talking about SPF, but like if people aren't going outside or people buying sunscreen as much, um, you know, vitamin C is another thing that is a spring, summer category because of the sun, you know? So these these cyclical kind of cadences in, in skincare, does it make sense to do? right now or, or for the rest of the year? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. Uh, we went out with our biggest launch really of the year. Um, and it launched in April. <laughs> so yeah, I remember. You, can, you can only imagine, um, surprisingly it's, it's come very close to meeting its objectives with, with all the stores being closed, which is, which is shocking. So I would say that vitamin C, um, and our launch is absolutely relevant today. Our launch timelines generally remain the same. We made some minor shifts. Clearly, when we activate a new launch like the vitamin C, we had a 360 program. Uh, Most of the investment was digital, so that remained the same. Within social, uh, we had to make some tweaks, obviously, with experiential events and, and some of our influencer work. And obviously, the store animations didn't happen. So as example, what we're going to do is we're going to re-highlight this launch later in the year when we feel it'll get a little bit more focus and attention and we're able to activate um, on a 360, in a 360 way. Secondarily, what I would say is core products are key right now, um, products that people uh, trust, right? People are replenishing, people are going back to... Um, you know, their, their routines being more focused on the routines. So we're seeing core being extremely healthy. And then in the product space, I think what's exciting is that there are new, you know, needs of, of the consumer today. And so, and into the future, I think this has created some, some white space in, in terms of product it, things like, you know, trial. There's so many people more now 
that that we have access to. So acquisition efforts are a key thing. I think things like therapeutics for a brand like Murad uh, is, is something to address. Things like psoriasis or, or, or you know, sensitivities, skin barrier defense, hydration is a big uh, need today. You know, staying home, um, you know, masks, gloves, and, and stress is another area of, of, of opportunity in terms of products. So I think we have to stay close to the consumer and uh, remain focused on what's relevant um, to, to her or him. When you think about um, products, whether it's bestsellers or new products, you know, I'm interested in if you've seen like an uplift or uh, an increase in customers maybe who aren't able to go get a facial or go get their Botox or, you know, all these kind of ritualistic things that people were doing monthly or quarterly, you know, that's all turned off, right? You can't, who's getting a facial? Tomorrow. I'm dying. Yes. I know. Dying for the for for to get to the hair salon and the nail salon. Right. <laughs> that matter. But but yeah, absolutely. People are not only have the necessity to to do this themselves, but it's it's also a way to, to give a little self-care, right? In in a right. moment where you need a little self-care. So absolutely. So um, surprisingly, I, I think you've seen, you know, market uh, growth and skincare is, is faring, you know, well, you know, within the, within the segments. And I think this has a lot to do with people uh, taking it into their own hands and, and treating themselves and taking care of the, their, their skin. And a lot of people are doing that generally, right? Working out more, trying to, I've heard a lot of people saying they, they want to come out of this like, like a butterfly in a cocoon for three months and emerge healthier uh, and, and more beautiful with a stronger state of mind, a stronger self. And um, I think skincare is, is definitely a part of that. When you think about, you know, what's next? I mean, if you can even plan for the uncertainty beyond like reforecasting every other month or, you know, what do you want Murad to kind of come out of this? When you think about the end of the year, like what is important to really drill down into and focus on beyond digital? I think, um, I think content is going to be a really important piece that, that we're paying close attention to, to support digital, to support social, um, to support a much wider audience and, and making it relevant to today's needs. So I think there's a shift there. Um, shifting resources most likely out of brick and mortar into fueling areas that we know will have high growth. Um, you know, so I, I think, you know, product needs, I think there are, there, there are a lot of shifts, um, into the future. And I think when we look at COVID and the impacts of COVID, uh, certainly there's been an immense amount of hardship, but I, I think there are also, you know, in some respects, some silver lining and some things that, that we've learned about the future. And I think beyond some of the, the things I've been speaking to in terms of the business, um, I think, you know, connecting with community as a, as a good example and um, engaging people in a different way will also be one of those, those key learnings. As an organization, um, what I would say as well is even through some of, you know, technology challenges and, and not being, you know, face-to-face with, with folks, 
we are closer as an organization today than we ever have been before. And I think through this crisis, one of you know, the very first priority was, you know, watching out for the, the safety of our people, you know, physically, mentally, um, financially, right? And, and that was the easy part, but being more attentive to people's emotional being and um, showing care. And that's extended to our community as well and doing the right thing to support healthcare workers or organizations that feed, feed children that are out of school. So all of these things have helped us live a more purposeful um, being, if you will. And I think that's one of the most significant changes that we embrace into the future. I know Unilever has always had that as a very... Um high on the list of priorities when it comes to the ways they run their businesses. But, you know, I'm wondering, like, you kind of straddle this line, like you're, you're part of a big company, but you would probably be seen as more of like a indie brand within that large company. So I guess managing those, both of those two worlds, will you talk a little bit about that before I let you go, Michelle? Of course. Um, It's honestly a great balance and, and, and another, you know, very attractive, reason for me joining Murad. And, um, you know, when you think about Unilever, they've got uh, really strong practice with regard to safety, with regard to purpose, and obviously resources. It's a huge, you know, corporation and, and there are endless resources that we can tap into. But prestige, Unilever prestige is, um, you're right. It, it, it runs and functions like independent companies. And so you're able to capture and take advantage of things, um, like, like agility and lack of complexity, lack of layers. You know, you can move a little bit quicker and your systems aren't as heavy, so to speak. And so there are many, many advantages to running like an independent company, but fewer risks by being backed by a big organization. And so for me, it's definitely a competitive advantage and um, I think an exciting business model. Perfect. Thank you so much, Michelle, for joining us today. I hope you stay healthy and safe in California and LA um, for maybe till July, till the second doors. But um, thank you for joining me today. It's always great talking to you. Priya, my pleasure. Good to see you and stay well. Thanks for tuning into the Glossy Beauty Podcast. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. Please don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you're listening. See you next week.